You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh my gosh, welcome back to The Bonfire Podcast here on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Andrew Herzog reporting back from his amazing Californian road trip. I talked about that on the the last podcast, teasing it, sort of saying, you know what, that's what I'll be doing next week when you're listening in, so stay tuned for some pictures and some eventual stories. Well, now I have successfully returned, returned to Dallas, Texas to recount my experiences, which at the time, I'd say two months ago when I planned this, loosely, I, uh... (laughs) said, I need to go with somebody. I want someone to share in this experience. Uh, I tried to get my roommate, but as time went on, he had problems with his his vehicular transport, money that he was not expecting to spend, but he had to dish it out in order to keep using his vehicle. So in order to keep using his uh, car, you know, had to reach into the little bit of the savings and say, okay, well, I I I had to do it. I have to have a functional car so I can get to work and continue making my money. So... Unfortunately, he had to back out because of that expense. Now, that makes sense because, you know, it's a tool. You have you got to have a car to get to where you're going for your job, to make your money, to pay your bills. With that being said, in my mind, I'd already planned for the, uh, the unexpected, thinking, hey, what if I went by myself, by myself for five days in California? What am I going to do? Am I going to be bored? Can I survive like that? Would I be regretful by doing it? What? No, I I decided, you know what? If I do end up just going by myself, I can do this. I can do this. And was I nervous? Absolutely. It's not something that you want to do all by yourself. As much of an introvert as I am, and I enjoy my alone time, I don't want to do that on vacay. I'd been to New York before for, for work. And I'd had, you know, a number of evenings to myself where after work I could go out to eat, wander the town, and come back to bed, wake up next day and go to work. I thought that was pretty good. You know, most of my time was spent at work, collaborating, doing my job. Then in my limited free time, I got to wander wherever I wanted. And that's where I considered, yeah, it's a bit of a vacation. And I think I showed up maybe a day or two before the work week started, so I gave myself one day. One and a half days to myself to explore and have fun. This was completely different. To now fly to San Diego 
on a Saturday and plan to drive my vehicle all the way up to Napa Valley, you know, north of San Francisco, I thought, okay, that's completely different. I, I will have nothing else to do, especially now that I'm by myself. I will have to do all the driving, which I'm okay with because I like to drive. I like to listen to music, and I don't listen to talk radio, but I'll listen to comedy shows. Um, sometimes I'll do an audiobook if I'm really, you know, sick of music, and I think, all right, that's enough. I need to have something a little, a little more meaty, a little more substance while I drive. So I did that. Drove from San Diego all the way up to Napa. And an incredible experience. As Donald Trump would say, tremendous, tremendous, believe me, believe me. Um, this is the only time I want that douche in my show. Anyway, I was by myself. I managed to get through it, although the night before was, I wasn't sweating bullets, but I was definitely nervous, thinking, wait a minute, I'm about to leave. This is real. This is really happening. I'm about to leave for vacation for five days by myself, drive a car, rent it. And what if something goes wrong? What if I get a flat tire? What if I get into an accident? God forbid. What if I run out of money? And I think, oh, I can't keep charging everything to my credit card. What if this? What if that? And I thought of all these worst case scenarios. And I thought, oh, how am I going to do it? Well, I <laughs> I usually, I just, I shut it down. I just said, you know what? I'm not going to think about it. I can't because that is going to paralyze me. I won't be able to do anything fun or memorable if I do nothing but think about the worst case scenario. Luckily, thank God, nothing did happen. Nothing nothing terrible. <laughs> Amazing things did happen. I, two months ago, decided to rent a convertible Mustang. I did it two months ago because I knew that's the kind of money I needed to save up in order to get it. I didn't want just some random Honda Civic. I wanted the car trip to be the, the main point of this trip. Because I could have just rented a car here in Dallas and driven to the Grand Canyon to North Dakota, to Florida, wherever. It doesn't matter. But I decided, no, I need to see California. I mean, I've been there before, but not like this. I haven't driven the PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway. You know, Highway 1, California 1. And that was the point of this trip was I'm going to make it a road trip. I am flying somewhere to get the car, to take the car throughout the state. And then once I'm finished with that, eh, I'll fly on a plane back home. That was the point. So I didn't have any hotels reserved. Didn't do it until the day of. That way I could end up in any city I wanted. And when I thought, all right, that's enough driving for the day, I'd say, all right, I'll do this, this city. I'll get a hotel here somewhere. I would stop for food when I was hungry. I would stop if I had to go to the bathroom. And that was about it. I got to listen to lots of music, lots of books, comedy shows, Bill Ingvall <laughs> in particular. And, of course, when you're on that scenic route, you could stop almost whenever you wanted and take pictures. I I did what I could. Because believe it or not, it's only a two-lane highway for a majority of the trip. So if you stopped, you'd be in the middle of traffic. Everybody else would have to stop behind you. You can't do that. There is no shoulder to pull over to all the time. And since I was on generally a pretty tight schedule, I knew eh, by the end of the day I'd kind of like to be in this city. That way the next day I'm able to do X, Y, and Z. I was usually kind of pushing it, and it's a long and windy road, speed, speed limit at all, speed limit is <laughs> like 55, so I'm driving pretty slow in a convertible Mustang, a black convertible Mustang, <laughs> which was amazing, fit like a glove, I'd, I'd had a little you know sedan before, but this was a coupe, this uh, was something else, extremely powerful, very light, low center of gravity, 
nimble, and fun. So to take that <laughs> on the, uh, the mountain roads, darting in and out, sometimes going a little quick, and then realizing, okay, I need to slow down. This is not my car. I cannot afford to get into a wreck, nor do I want to, just because nobody wants to be in a wreck. I mean, common sense. Nevertheless, as I'm looking out the window to my left, looking at all the scenery, I'm always remembering, oh, that's right, I'm driving. I need to keep my eyes on the road. So I saw about as much of it as I possibly could. And I couldn't take too many pictures because I was driving. Whenever I did happen to get out, pictures fall short. I'm standing there looking out and thinking, this is a great view that I'm seeing, but how can I get this into a picture? Uh, it just it doesn't feel right. So sometimes I'd take pictures and think, well, this is trash. This doesn't get across what I'm seeing. So I would just delete it. I took maybe a grand total of 12, 15 pictures. And I put some of them up on various media sites, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, either under Bonfire or myself, just to share, hey, here is one view that I get to see. Then you can kind of get a general idea. I'm not going to share everything. I don't like to overshare anything. That's just not me. Am I going to take a trillion pictures on vacation? No, I wouldn't do that anyway. Even if someone else was driving, I'd be like, I want to be in the moment. I'd rather look out the window myself and just take a deep breath, stare at it, make a mental picture. And then I can keep that with me forever in my mind. And remember, I remember the whole experience, driving in the car, every meal, the different cities I stopped in, the ones I loved the most, the ones that made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> and thinking, oh, my God, I hope no one's watching me. This is scary. Oh, I need to just dart through the city right now before I get caught. Um, all the experiences, all the emotions, total fun. Definitely the trip of a lifetime. And you could have multiple of those. You can have multiple trips of a lifetime. I'm luckily able to include this one now, going from San Diego all the way up to Napa along the PCH in a black convertible Mustang. That's the way to do it. Of course, that cost me a pretty penny, but like I said, I planned this in advance. I budgeted this money so I could afford it. I couldn't just do it off the cuff. had to kind of think about it for a little bit and think, all right, I could maybe squeeze this off if I stop spending now and then for the delayed gratification later of that vacation and it was totally worth it i do wish someone had joined me i wish my roommate had been able to uh make the trip i wish anybody had really because that's something you do want to share with another person another close person i wouldn't share it with a stranger because that, that mustang <laughs> was really tiny really small i could not be in close quarters with someone that i hated for that long that is a really tiny vehicle my truck on the other hand eh, maybe It'd be big enough you could spread out. But that bad boy, the Mustang, nope, way too small. Way too small. And, all right, this is already dragging on. I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but let me mention some of my favorite places. San Diego, uh, I like to Coronado. That's the island that's right off the coast, you know, maybe a quarter mile off the coast. It's right there on San Diego. It's practically a part of it. I uh, went there to the beach, had breakfast, got in the car, drove to L.A. L.A. is really dirty and really big and loud. And I thought, eh, whatever, never actually driven around the city before, so I'll do that. I drove through Hollywood, drove through Beverly Hills, just so I could say that I did it. Spent the night there in South LA, which was scary <laughs> for me, by myself, need I remind you. Got up in the morning, drove all the way to, let's see, where did I make it? I think I made it to Morro Bay, which means I drove through Malibu, which is very nice, north of LA, along the PCH, stopped there for a little bit. More great pictures, great views. Morro Bay is almost kind of center of California, that was an incredible place. Just a tiny kind of little bay, 
right there next to the Pacific Ocean. So you know, hey, the ocean's right there, but then there's this nice little bay, nice and calm and quiet, a little town that locals come to vacation at, you know, a weekend vacation or a nightly thing. Very nice, very peaceful, great seafood, which I had, I think, a majority of the time. Some swordfish, oh, love it. Crab, pasta, love it. And let's see, I drove through Santa Barbara, stopped there for a little bit. It was nice, never been there before, and I thought, I'm going to have to come back and do some golfing here. This looks like the great place to... uh, to get that on drove through monterey the next day and i thought well you're okay i didn't think monterey was all that great that's just my opinion eventually made it all the way up to san jose area so like santa cruz drove through big sur which i enjoyed it was very much like a camping town it's right there in the kind of the mountains which are right there on the edge of on the coast that's what's amazing about the california pch is that it's these mountains on the coast, when you think of, like, the beach, when I do, I think Florida, where it's all flat, just the beach, marshland, flat as can be, and that's it. No, the Pacific coastline is, like, a lot of mountains right there and tiny little beaches here and there. And you think, ooh, I'm right here on the Pacific Ocean. This is crazy. So lots of different just visuals all in the same state. And I'm just kind of chugging, chugging along in the car, having a good time, thinking, look at all this great scenery and all these things that I needed to come back now and do go to these specific cities to do certain things and that was great I got to see it all made my way up to San Jose very nice area uh next morning which must have been a Tuesday morning or something I made it all the way up to Napa drove through San Francisco over the Golden Gate Bridge which was fun fog kind of started rolling in so I couldn't see the uh the bridge all that well as I was driving on it. Made it all the way up to Napa. Went and took a wine tour at the Castello di Amoroso, I believe is what it's called. And we had a little four stories beneath the ground where they store all the wine in the wine barrels. Crazy stuff. And just a great tour. Wine tasting. Definitely a great experience. So touching the beach in San Diego. Driving through Big Sur camping grounds. Pines and trees everywhere. Napa Valley. The vines. Kind of kind of cool weather, seeing all the wineries, how they make it, tasting it all. Driving back through San Francisco where it dropped 20, 30 degrees when you left the Bay Area just because of the fog. That's how crazy it is. Oh, yeah. Lots of great memories and experiences. Totally worth it. And that's why here at the Bonfire we encourage traveling as part of your vacay. Don't just have a staycation. I mean, of course, if that's all you can do, then yes, by all means, do it. You need to have vacation. You need to have a break from work. Turn off every now and then, okay? It's okay. You can do it. It's fine. Don't feel guilty. When you can't afford it, when you have the time and the means, then yes, push for those kinds of incredible experiences. Go to Disney World. Go to Utah. Go skiing. Go to Florida. Go to the beach. Go to the Caribbean. Whatever you can do. Take a road trip through California like me. (laughs) Whatever floats your freaking boat. Because vacation just really revs you up, makes you happy, content, and then kind of ready to come back to work. At least that's how I feel. I think, all right, I've had lots of fun, lots of great memories, and spent a lot of money. (laughs) Now it's time to come back and pay off those bills, get some productive work done, see some coworkers and some family and friends again. Let's get back into the swing of things. And then, I don't know, a few months down the road, take another vacation. I like that. I like the, that rhythm majority of your time work work is good find the job where you're happy to say that to say hey well yes of course i still have difficult days but i'm glad to be here i'm glad that i am making my living at this place 
it could be worse. I could be over there doing that kind of trash. That would suck. Don't. Find something that you can live with and wake up every day and say, great, this job is helping pay my bills so I can stay alive. And then on top of that, it's helping me have some savings in case, you know, the crap hits the fan. And then on top of that, I now have money to go on vacation and have a good time and experience all these great things that are in the world. So you got to have that balance. The balance. The, the bonfire balance. Let's just call it that. This is The Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Now here's an interesting and very revealing article I found that is very pertinent to today's day and age. Twelve famous people who have zero interest in computers, social media, or the internet. Now, we're all aware, many celebrities are online. That's how you can follow them, what they're doing in their lives, and all the kind of crap that eh, some people care about. But here are 12 people who say, you know what, I don't even care, so you won't find me on there. And I found some of these reasons respectable. After all, like I said, Bonfire is about finding ways that we can come together with people you don't agree with on everything, which you're never going to. But find things that you can't say, okay, on that topic, I agree with you. Hey, on that, I can shake your hand over. Over this issue, I can give you a hug. Whatever. Okay? (laughs) It ain't politics, for God's sake. All right. The rest of Hollywood is sparking and squashing Twitter beefs, and, you know, everyone's just going back and forth. I'm not going to name them because I don't care. I know who they are, but I'm not going to give you that information because it's going to waste your life. Don't look it up. The point here is, Louis C.K., famous comedian, he said in a Tonight Show interview, he'd sworn off the internet for a month, and now he has no plans of stopping. He has previously come out in opposition of constant cell phone use, arguing in 2013, it erodes people's ability to empathize and feel sad. Okay, Louis C.K., I don't want to be on my phone all the time. I feel like that's just going to kind of distance yourself from your fellow human beings. Because when you're reading an article from someone saying, hey, I'm really hurting, I'm not happy, I don't know what to do with myself, you're reading words through a computer screen. It's hard for you to kind of, you know, engage with that person and empathize, sympathize with them. Versus if someone were to be saying that to your face, you could see their expressions. You could actually feel some sort of human connection and (laughs) be like, oh, wow, okay, this is kind of serious. So his point... 
He was just trying to swear off the internet for a month. You know what? Do it for a month. Let's see if I can do it. And now he's like, hell, I want to keep going. This is good. I like it. Cell phone use, constant cell phone use. Always looking at your phone. Always doing something. Playing games, tweeting, texting, emailing, checking all sorts of social media, taking pictures. It's healthy to put the phone away at least every now and then. Christopher Walken. In an interview with Newsweek, ahead of his new movie called The Family Fang, which I've never heard of, the actor said that it's peaceful not to have a computer. Quote, My wife always says to me, because she has a computer, apparently, you can look yourself up. You can do all sorts of masochistic things. I never have that temptation. So whenever he shoots a movie, producers reportedly give him a phone just for the shoot, and once the filming ends, he gives it right back. So there you go, Christopher Walken saying, why am I going to go online? It's just going to, I'm going to be tempted to read about me, as we all would. And that's where he'll inevitably find the haters. And the haters are always there. They're always going to be there. So he's like, why would I put myself through that? That's just going to demoralize me. And that's unhealthy. I don't care what these strangers have to say. So I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And then he doesn't have a phone. The only time he has one is when he's doing a movie so they can, you know, get in touch with him. That's the practical means of a phone. And once it's over and they're like, all right, we're done. We're wrapped. Uh, hey, uh, give us the phone back. We know you like to have your privacy. And I believe Bill Murray is also like that. He's very hard to get in touch with. He doesn't have a cell phone. And I believe the only way you can is if you directly know his, his uh, not his assistant, his uh, whoever the hell represents him. <laughs> it's been a long day. Whoever represents him, you have to know that dude like specifically and have his email or his address and be able to say, hey, uh, I'd like for Bill to be in my movie. Let's see if we can coordinate. That's how desirable Bill Murray is for movies, and he's that envied. He also likes to keep you know, clear lines between his work and his family. So when he's like, I'm not doing a movie, he can go have an actual personal life, which everybody wants. As many celebrities out there that seem to want to overshare absolutely everything about their lives and their bodies, <laughs> I think deep down there is a portion to them that thinks, yeah, you know what, I think I, ugh, I really would like some alone time. I feel like I'm always on show and always having to deliver to my fans. Okay, well then, stop doing it! That's what you do. We know in a writer, in 2010, she said that she never uses the internet. In a separate interview in 2010, she said that she almost never uses a computer. Quote, I have my email on my BlackBerry, and that's about it. I've never read a blog, ever. So, there you go. Uh, blogs can be useful. But I think her point here is, like, look, I have email, and that's with people who need to get in direct contact with me. And that's what I do. I don't give out my phone number. I don't text a whole lot of people. She likes to have a clear divide to say work, email, boom, done, that's it. Angelina Jolie. In 2011, she said she was browsing Amazon.com for the first time. And she felt overwhelmed at all the options. Quote, my brain is too scattered and the wires go in different directions. I'll just stick to catalogs. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. Um... Is Amazon and other websites overwhelming? Yeah, you. Uh, I agree with you there. I've said it here before. Not just the bloody ads everywhere, pop-ups, and so much trash that's just so irritating and really gets the blood boiling, but so many websites have so much. You think, ah, you're just really trying to get me to stay on your site with all this trash that you have on it. And some of it, hey, may even be legitimate news. And you think, okay, 
but there's so much to click on, so many different categories and tags, and you're like, well, I don't even know where to begin now. Maybe I'm not even going to do this. And then you just shut down the browser, and you think, whatever, don't care. There is such a thing as too much information. And Angelina Jolie feels the same way. She admitted just a few years before 2011, so sometime in the recent decade, she admitted to not knowing how to turn on a computer. Okay. That tells me she's busy. And she is. That tells me she prefers to spend her time doing other things. Is it such a capital sin to not know how to turn on a computer? No. I'd have more of a beef with you if you said, well, I don't know how to put gas in my car. I'd say, well, okay. Um, are you nothing but chauffeured anywhere and everywhere? Or that when you start running low, you call up your butler and you tell him to fill it up? I don't know. That'd be a whole different situation. But for you to just say, well, I don't know how to turn on a computer, I have no beef with that. I'd say, okay, cool. I have no problem. Brad Pitt, here's what he thinks on not being on Twitter. He's explicitly said that he doesn't know how computers work, and he doesn't want to participate in what he calls the publicity machine. He wants to try to maintain control of the narrative, you know, of like, this is my life. I'll let the public know what I'm doing with my kids, my wife, myself, when I say so. I don't want to be following the news online. I don't want to be looking me up online. I want no part of it. Quote, there's this whole other entity that you get sucked into. You have to go and sell your wares. It's something I never made my peace with. So there you go. He's saying in 2009, according to Newsweek, I think he's referring to kind of like Twitter, Facebook. If you're out there tweeting for the hell of it and taking pictures, you're you're trying to sell yourself. Like, hey, everybody, I'm still over here. Remember me? I'm an actor. And uh, hire me. Hey, I'm funny. I'm cool. And trying to maintain his audience. He thinks, well, I shouldn't have to do that. I mean, I'm just trying to be an actor in, in these movies. So I'm going to coordinate with the studios and the people here in Hollywood. I don't need to take opinions from Bob in Nevada. Sorry. Don't care. That's my impression. George Clooney. On joining Facebook, which he hasn't, he said, I'd rather have a rectal examination on live TV by a fellow with cold hands than have a Facebook page. And then on Twitter, he said, I think anyone who is famous is a moron if they're on Twitter. So he feels very strongly about Facebook and Twitter. He is on neither one of them. You know, not the official George Clooney Facebook page. It's the real Clooney on Twitter. Yeah, he doesn't do that. Okay, I can respect that because he is world famous enough, and I'm sure he has enough to do on a daily basis that why would I want to tweet random people? I don't care. And share my thoughts on X, Y, and Z. And he probably realizes, well, who else is going to care? So why don't I just keep doing my thing, which is acting. I know how to do that. Now, granted... He does have certain beliefs that I know of that I don't agree with. But, George, here's the perfect example. I agree with you on this. Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Bonfire does have both of those, but it's for the purposes of trying to share with the world what Bonfire is doing. It, and it's, it's, it's message and getting the content out there. But let me tell you, do I saturate people with content? No, I do not. I, I don't ever want to. Even if we had so much content to share, I... God willing, I wouldn't want to saturate the world with it and whoever follows Bonfire or me. There is such a thing as too much information and overwhelming options. And you're saying, okay, wow, you're giving me way too much to digest here. Why don't you just send me an article a day, an article a week or a podcast once a week? That's about as much as I can 
digest. Because, hell, those people have their own lives. They have their own families to worry about, their own bills and their own interests, rather than just, hey, what's George Clooney doing today? Although those people do exist, those are called the nuts and the freaks, who do nothing but follow celebrity gossip. Well, Clooney doesn't want to be a part of it if he can help it. And he certainly does by not being online. Rachel McAdams. In 2009, she admitted to living nearly in the dark ages in that she listens to news on the radio, doesn't own a TV, and she's really bad at email. Okay. I think that's fine. A lot of people listen to news on the radio. A lot of people are in their cars driving. You can't read and drive at the same time. Or they're on the subway. They'd rather listen than read. Whatever. She doesn't own a TV. Okay, I know people who don't do that either. They'd say, well, I'd rather do something else with my time. There may be great things on TV, but I'd rather have a hobby. I'd rather go work out. I'd rather go to work and make money. I'd rather travel. There's plenty of other things to do. So this isn't really so far out there that, oh my gosh, she listens to news on the radio when she doesn't own a TV? That's awesome. I own a TV because, well, I like TV. (laughs) That's why. So if you're someone who says, well, hell, I want something else to do, more power to you. More power to you. Eminem. In 2010, he said, here's why I don't know how to work a computer. If I learn how, I'm going to be on that bitch (laughs) all day looking at comments about me, and it's going to drive me crazy. So there he is. He's just trying to filter what he sees and hears to keep his own sanity because he is a popular uh, musician, rapper, so he wants to get his reinforcement and words of encouragement or actual criticisms from legitimate people, not random people around the world. So he's like, if I had a computer, I'd be doing nothing but looking up and that stuff. And I'd be finding the trash, and it'd be getting me down, and I'd be, I wouldn't want to do this anymore, so I can't do that. He did join Twitter in 2009, but he doesn't tweet all that often. So he's, he's on, but he's trying to kind of still maintain control, is what it seems. Now, Jake Gyllenhaal, two years ago, he expressed frustration that people seem to be on their phones more often than they engage with people in their immediate surroundings. Quote, we're looking down. No one is looking up. Yeah. I agree. So here you go. Jake, who is a celebrity, great actor, saying, look, does nobody interact with their fellow human beings anymore? Their neighbor, their buddy, the stranger next to them on the subway. Everybody's just so sucked into their phone, their own device, and minding their own business. You can't even be cordial anymore. He said he doesn't want to live in the spotlight that much off screen by having, you know, social media. Okay, I can respect that too. If you're such a famous actor and you're already already in the spotlight as your job, then yes, it's totally natural to say, all right, I want that spotlight to be off every now and then and I want to be able to do my business with my family my way. More power to you, Jake, because I feel the same way. In uh, <laughs> I'm not in the spotlight, that's not what I meant. I mean, during the day, if you're at work and you feel like you have to kind of, not put on a show, but you're, you're, you're trying to put on your best face. You may be having a diff- difficult time in life, but you don't want to bring that into the workplace. You want to try to be pleasant, get along with your coworkers, do a good job, impress your boss, and be a good person. So that does require energy. Everybody out there is fighting something. You know, they're all having their own problems. So when you come into the workplace, they're expressing all this energy in order to keep calm. Then when the day's over, they think, oh, God, I'm exhausted. I need to go home. I don't want to be in the spotlight anymore. I don't want to have any more phone calls and emails and parties to go to. I just need to go home. I need to be alone with my family. That's what I want tonight. There you go. I can understand that. Last one, Jennifer Lawrence. In 2014, 
She said social media and technology baffle her. Quote, I'm not very good on phones or technology. I cannot really keep up with emails, so the idea of Twitter is so unthinkable to me. I will never get Twitter. Okay. Twitter's not for everybody. I have it, but do I tweet every day like some people? No. There are definitely people who tweet several hundred times a day. Oh, that's uh, obnoxious to me. I don't even know how that's even humanly possible. It means you're on your phone a lot, or you're on your computer a lot. I'd rather not be. I'd rather be eating. <laughs> I'd rather be watching an episode of something on TV while I'm eating, and then going back to work, talking to my coworkers, getting my work done, going home, finishing my chores, doing my hobbies, traveling the world. Hello! Plenty of other stuff to do besides bloody tweeting everybody. I'm using it as a tool. It is not fun. <laughs> Twitter's not fun in and of itself. Okay, neither is Facebook. I am using it for bonfire and in a personal way as just a, a tool in order to keep up with my friends. I want to know, hey, what's going on in their lives? I can kind of see uh, the latest picture that they posted. And then that reminds me, oh, hey, you know what? Let me call them or let me text them. And that's how you keep up with people. As a company, you do need to have some sort of face online. That way people can look up general information and say, wait, so what is this? Oh, that's what that thing is. Oh, okay, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah. And then you can do business online. You can do your profits that way or you have an actual brick and mortar building. Whatever. It's about using the internet as a tool, uh, giving it a very specific purpose, and not just you're just bored. Bored to tears, and you think, okay, I'm just going to get Twitter. Might as well. No. It's not how you're supposed to do it, although people still do that. So, whatever. There you go. Number of celebrities that the bonfire agrees with. Having that balance. You could go hardcore and just not have it at all, like George Clooney, or you can kind of have a balance, like uh, Eminem, who thinks, well, yeah, I have Twitter, and that's to kind of engage the audience every now and then if I need to or if I feel some need to. Other than that, I'm just going to keep doing my thing because that's what I'm good at. I'm going to focus on my family, my, my, my art, my job, whatever. That's what I like. So I can agree with all y'all on that, having a little bit of a balance in your life and trying to control how much do I want to put online. I don't want to be on the phone. I don't want to have technology around my face all day every day. I want to be able to turn it off. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, quick documentary review time. This one is an oldie, but a goodie. And I just saw it for the first time the other day. Took me a while to get around to it, but I'd seen enough about it, heard enough about it, and thought, wait a minute, you know what? I got an hour and a half. I might as well watch this. I think I can do it. It's called Hero Dreams of Sushi. <laughs> it's a great sushi documentary. And if you know anything about me, you know I love my sushi. So that was what first appealed to me. But then on top of that, I'd read in certain books and articles and heard from friends, hey, like this this documentary, this idea, who he is, how devoted he is to his job, how good he is at it, it's incredible. You should watch it. It's just baffling. Just sit there and 
enjoy it. So yeah, it's about an hour 20, really. Pretty short. Made in 2011. Got a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. So that means it's super fresh. Very unique. Inspirational. Entertaining. All that good stuff. My only drawback (laughs) was the entire thing was in subtitles. Of course it is. I mean, they're all Japanese, so they're speaking Japanese. But I thought, oh, I guess I guess I should have seen this coming. Whole thing in subtitles. So, yes, it's about an hour and a half of reading, essentially. You get to look at their faces every now and then, but other than that, your eyes are on the subtitles, just trying to read and keep up with what's being said. Now, with that being said, I enjoyed Hero Dreams of Sushi because it showed, hey, here's a man whose father, I believe left them when he was a little kid. He left to go get work, I believe, but he also just left the family. That was my understanding. And the mom had to kind of resort to raising kids on her own. Maybe she died pretty early on. I'm not really sure. But the hero, the main, you know, if you want to call him protagonist, the main guy in this documentary, did mention, hey, when I was a young a child, I was essentially kicked out of the house. I had nowhere to go. I had no one to depend on, so I had to start working. He realized at a young age, look, you got to work. You have to work. So if you wrap your mind around that and just accept it and say, okay, time to work, then you can do it. You can get up every day and realize this is what's keeping me alive for survival. Then if you get good at something, then you can start thinking, well, how can I make a better living off of what I'm doing? Let me look for other opportunities. And so for some reason, ever since he was a little kid, he liked sushi and he thought, oh, Maybe I should try to be a a chef of some sort. And so since his 20s, I believe, he apprenticed under the sushi makers of the day. And they all said, hey, here's how we do things. Follow our lead. And he did. But then in the back of his mind, he's thinking, why why do I have to do it that way? Why can't I do it this way? And they would all tell him, no, 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 don't do that. That's not how we do things. He'd still think, why not? You're not answering my question. Why can't I do things X, Y, and Z? But then that's what made Hiro who he is. He started experimenting with sushi, thinking of new ways to make it, prepare it, and new combinations. And then became so devoted to it that he would say, I'm, I'm having dreams about sushi on new ideas, new ways of preparing, and all these crazy things. His life has been devoted to sushi. Now, he's in his 90s, I believe, and I believe he's still alive. Let me look at that up real quick. Yes, looks like he is still alive. He lives in Japan, has all of his life, but has done nothing but focus on sushi. So, of course, a lifetime devoted to it. He's an expert sushi maker, sushi chef. And so people go to his restaurant, and they have months waiting list for a restaurant that has, I think, eight seats, maybe ten. And that's it. And the only thing they do is serve sushi. They showed a little something in the documentary. Somebody walked in and said, hey, we like to make reservations. He's like, well, you got to call ahead, and it has to be like two months from now because <laughs> we're full. They're like, ooh, okay, so a couple months ahead. Uh, what kind of appetizers do you all have? No, we don't have appetizers. We only do sushi. Uh, so I can get some wonton soup. No, no, no. We only serve sushi. That's all we have. And if you want a reservation, it's going to have to be like next month or the one after. Oh, okay. How many people can I uh, bring? Well, how many seats do you see? Looks like there's eight. Uh, Okay, then you can bring eight people. And it has to be a month or two from now, and you're only going to get sushi. Oh, okay, bye. (laughs) They had to hammer it into this guy to say, look, you don't understand. 
This is a tiny little joint. All we do is sushi, but we do a damn good job at it. And that's why you have to wait a month or two to get in. But he's made such a reputation for himself, but being so devoted to his work, always looking for new ways to improve it, and that's what he says. He says, no, there is no perfect way to do something. You can certainly get closer and closer, make things better and better, but you're never going to reach some plateau, some tier that you think, all right, now I've made it. All right, now I'm done. Oh, it's all over. Okay, I'm done. No, he keeps plugging along. That's why he's still working in his 90s. That can't be right. 90s? Maybe he is in his 90s. Oh, my gosh. Let me check that real quick. He's definitely an older man. He's got to be in his 90s. I am not seeing any information here. Here it is. The story of an 85-year-old sushi maker. Hiro Ono. And let's see, that came out in 2011. Let's assume he was 85 at the time. So, yeah, he's probably in his 90s now. He's still puttering along. That's awesome. I've always felt that I, I can't retire when I'm 65, unless, of course, I'm you know, decrepit and crippled for some reason. God forbid. But I, I want work to do. I want something to do. I don't want to work 80 hours a week for the rest of my life. I've never done that, by the way, and I hope I never do. I want there to be a respectable amount of work. I want something productive to do. That it is giving back to others, paying my bills, being useful, and not just a waste of my time or anybody's time. Hero is making sushi. People got to eat. People love sushi like me. <laughs> so when I make it to Japan one day, I'm going to try to stop by his joint. I mean, you know, if I can plan this out enough in advance, just like the California trip, and say, you know what, next year in March I'll be in Japan. Well, why don't I go ahead and call right now and say, hey, can I get a reservation at your restaurant for two people? Why not? This is something where I think it's the Michelin, uh, not the tire people, but <laughs> the uh, food people. They give like four-star ratings. They give all these different ratings to different restaurants around the world for how the quality of the food, the originality, its uniqueness, cleanliness, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a great measure of you know, a restaurant's beauty. They give him four stars, four out of four. And it's this little sushi joint, like, by the metro that only fits eight, ten people. But they said it's because who Hirdo is, how unique the experience is, how great the food is, how clean the place is, and the great story that's behind it. They said that uh, it's a given that he was going to be a four when they judged him. And that's awesome. Here's someone who's worked his entire life, but is just now, later, in his senior days, getting some serious recognition for his labor. That should teach all of his patience. Here's a guy that kept plugging along because not only did he need to pay his bills and keep doing his thing, he's not getting kind of recognized for it until later in life. Not everybody gets that. You know, you don't work to say, hey, I want to be recognized next week. I'm working really hard right now so that hopefully next year I can hit the gravy train. You know what? Sometimes that's just not going to happen. I would say most of the time. That's not going to happen. So you need to find something that you just enjoy. Focus on the work itself. And then maybe down the road, you can get some serious success and recognition. But that should not be your motivator. Your motivator should be, no, I just enjoy this work. And he says this every day. He's like, I, I love my job. Here I am, an old man. My sons are sushi extraordinaires like me. I taught them. They were my apprentices. And now they're teaching their own people. And I'm helping them too. We have to keep this tradition going the way that we do things and how to clean and prepare and keep this whole just fascination of sushi alive. He says, I love my job. I come in every day. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. I love this. I'm very happy. And you see it in his face. You're like, yeah, this guy is legit. Look at this guy. He's 
one of the older people in the world. He's in his 80s and 90s. Not a lot of people can make it that far. And he's still working. And he loves it. So needless to say, this was very inspiring and humbling to see a guy who just keeps chugging along. And I think, all right, good for you, man. Good for you. There are other people in the world who can show me up. And that's good. They can show us all up to say, hey, 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 here's how you do things. Here's a great example of patience, dedication, and enjoyment. We all have to work, so find work that you can just accept and have a good time with it. Even if it's a job that you think sucks, just realize, well, at least I have a job. Some people don't. I'm not out on the street. Some people are. I have food in my belly. Some people don't. I have a toilet to use. Most of the world does not. They use the rivers. They use something downhill at the back of their shack, okay? So it's good to see these kinds of documentaries of dedication and people who are so obsessed with their craft. And they are. But they pay the bills. And they get the job done. So Bonfire does recommend Hero Dreams of Sushi. Still on Netflix. So I hope it stays up for a good while. I'd like everybody to see it. Check it out. Like I said, be prepared for subtitling. Whole movie is subtitled, so you have to read it. And if you can get through that part, then you can say, all right, I enjoyed Hiro. I like his his motivation, his, his mindset. It's incredible. I loved it. Very humbling. Back, uh, back in a minute. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. She can't. She needs the Obama coalition. And she can't trash the terrible job that he's done. And she can't get out there and say, I want to make America better because according to her backward, stupid political party, we're, we're in nirvana as it is. Riots and terrorist attacks. The American left is celebrating every freaking day. The Chris Salcedo Show. Weekdays on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into The Bonfire this week. This is not so much of the, the D-Block, the segment. It's going to be more of an outro. Uh, there's not much to say here. <laughs> I'm still... Tired from the trip. I, I slept well on the California trip, but I was still always, you know, itching to go, get back in the car and drive and see everything I could. So it, it was exhausting, and I have to get back to work next week, and I'm still tired. I'm still a little loopy, you know, jet lag, and your body has just been through a whole lot. Seeing the whole world, walking and hiking and driving and sitting a lot and thinking, being mentally aware, it's a good amount. You know, first world problems. <laughs> I had a really hard time on vacation. Um, so... With that being said, something that did occur to me, though, was, you know, if George Clooney asked me out, I think I'd say yes. (laughs) The stupidest thought that crossed my mind. I thought, you know what? We're talking about celebrities here. What if George Clooney asked me out on a date? (laughs) I would say, yep, let's go. I'm going to drop what I'm doing tonight, buddy. Let's go out, man. Let's go out and get something to eat and dance the night away. Not dance, really. Just really get something to eat and hang out. (laughs) Sort of a mandate. You know, you can have mandates. You can have mandates with your buddy. You can say, hey, man, look, I've had a hard hard night this week. Hard night this week. I've had a hard bit of work this week. Let's go out one night this week, and let's get a beer. Let's get some food, and let's watch the game. That's a mandate, okay? <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. When you're like, I'm going to go home to my wife and my kids, but you know what? I was at work all day and all week, and it's been really tough. But tonight, let's you and I, uh, let's go get a bite to eat, man. Let's hang out. Let's have a, let's have a good time. That's why you have poker nights, too. Guys need their guy time. Girls need their girl time. You got to split it up. You got you to gotta mix it up a little bit like that. You know, you're not supposed to be attached to the hip 
to your spouse or your roommates or anybody else in your life. you got to have a little bit of individuality. So with that being said, if Chris Pratt asked me out, would I say yes? Uh, probably. <laughs> if Brad Pitt asked me out, would I say yes? Yeah, I think I would. Uh, if Rachel McAdams asked me out, yes, I'd say yes. Um, who else is there off the top of my head? Someone who's if Justin Bieber, no, I'd say no. Buddy, get out of my face. Get out of my face. Who else? Anybody off the top of my head? Um, if Winona Ryder asked me out, <laughs> I'd say, you know what? Sure. Why not? Just so I could say that, yeah, I went out on a date with Winona. I don't know what that name means or where she got it from or really anything about her, but that's the point of the date, just to talk and be like, so, what do you do? <laughs> oh, I'm an actress. Uh, if Bill Ingvall asked me out, I'd say yes in a heartbeat. I'd be like, yeah, let's go, buddy. Let's go. Let's have a the night of our lives. Uh, that'd be funny. So, stupid thoughts from Andrew of the Bonfire. Please find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, um, although you won't find some celebrities on there. But we don't saturate you with content. We try to save the good stuff and share it when it's ready to be shared. That's what we believe in. We believe in genuine, authentic content, not trash and clickbait like other websites out there. Main website, bonfirethoughts.com. And I will talk to you all next week. Adios, Andrew Herzog. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network.